started a new series called Restart. And as we start the new year, this restart, we added a question to it. And the question is really important. The question is, how will this year be different for you? How will this year actually be different? How can you move forward in your life? And, um, and I think we, we defined this last week really talking about what one thing, if you could change it, if you could do one thing that would make this year meaningful and purposeful and different, what would it be? And we defined it as spending time with Jesus, having an, a connection with him that is meaningful and that cuts through the distractions of your life and that prioritizes Jesus's presence in your life above all things. That that will have a profound impact on your year if you live it out with that in mind, with him, with him, him with you. And I think, um, I think as we go through this series, one of the things that I really had a heart for is, as I was thinking about it and studying for it is that I wanted to do, I wanted to talk about practical things. I wanted to talk about tangible things that would help us prioritize his presence in our lives. And so uh, it's a perfect time to make practical a life of prayer and conversation with Jesus, right? 21 days of prayer. We're at day seven. If you haven't gotten involved, we want you to get involved. We have a, a, a prayer devotional in a booklet. Here, hand me that, babe. Oh, sorry, I put it away. Oh, here it is. <laughs> here it is. You, you should pick this up and pray through it. it is, the, the prayers in it are, are really written for you to be able to pray through. And uh, so if you have a hard time figuring out what to say to God, we've written it down for you. And the reason we know that this is a good prayer is because we based it all on scripture. And so several scriptures involved there. And uh, t like, t like I said at the beginning of the service, today's theme is praising him through the storm. And so I, I just think um, we have to have practical ways that we influence the presence of Jesus in our lives. And 21 days of prayer is a perfect time to upend your schedule, to change it, to transform it, to make a new habit. And there's five locations that you can come and pray at 630. Listen, I am no fan of 630. <laughs> I think that's the time we should, you should still be sleeping. But I, but, but I believe that changing our schedule as we start the new year to include something that we don't normally include awakens us, it challenges us, it moves us forward in our relationship with God. And you, there's five different locations here, Kyle, Lake Travis, and then there's Dripping Springs and uh, North Austin. You can look that up on onechapel.com. And so I really want to encourage you to jump in with us in that. It's because it's not just for you, it's for our city. It's not just for what's happening in here, although that's going to happen. It's for your family and for your friends who need Jesus. And so jump in with us and participate. And if you can't come to any of those locations, jump on Facebook Live and, f and follow along with us. There's a devotion there every day, all right? So, and, and here's the reason we do this. We wanna move you forward. I love the o Oswald Chambers quote we used last week, right? Here it is. It says, beware of harking back to what you were once. 
when God wants you to be something you have never been. Think about that. God wants you to be something you've never been before in 2018. He has a plan and a purpose for you. But can, we can only live this idea out by the work of the Holy Spirit and by the power of Jesus in us. And so it's so important for us to look at some practical ideas. We're going to look at one today. I'm going to ask you this question today. How will you manage your time in 2018? Because I, I started looking around at the, at the things that keep us from changing our habits. And the way we manage our time is a major hurdle. The busyness, the schedule, all that stuff. How will you spend your time in 2018? And then I wanna challenge you with an idea. But first, let's read the scripture together. Let's pray and then let's read it. Father, would you illuminate? Would you reveal yourself? Would you give us grace to obey the, the truth of your word. Let the light come on in our hearts as I speak today. Let your Holy Spirit, we just welcome you, Holy Spirit, to speak to us as we listen and as we engage with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Romans 12, one through two. It's in your message notes, Romans 12, one and two. I'm gonna read it in the message translation, which is a modern tr day translation by Eugene Peterson. It's actually a, kind of meant to be street language. And so uh, I, I, I'm reading it in the message to kind of awaken you to a new way of thinking about this passage, if you've known it in the past. He says in verse one, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. This is a big deal. We so easily, if we're not moving forward, there's no such thing as just staying put. If you don't move forward, you're gonna move backwards. It's true in your relationship with God, and it's true with your relationship with your boyfriend or girlfriend, it's true in your marriage. If you're not moving forward, if you're not pressing into a greater discovery of relationships, then something begins to happen. You get stuck, but it's not long till you begin to go backwards in that relationship. He says, don't get stuck, don't become so well-adjusted in your culture that you fit in without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Make no mistake, people, the work of Jesus is inside-out work. It's not the kind of thing where, you, oh, I got, I'm a Christian now, so now I've got to start doing the Christian things. That's not how it works. You let Jesus come inside, you let Jesus take over, and then he starts working his way out through your emotions and your attitude. He starts working his way out like the scene in the Matrix where Neo explodes. The light comes out, but it's, sometimes that takes time and energy and it's, it's hard for him to come out in, into your actions and your attitudes and your heart and your love. But he begins to work from the inside out. The verse continues, readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly, everybody say quickly, Say it again. Quickly respond to it. If there's, if there's one thing you could, re, you could do in 2018, 
like responding to him. That's what we talked about last week, responding to him and his call, making the most of every opportunity that he's right there. The verse finishes out, unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. I have good news for you. God wants you to be mature. (laughs) Don't you love being mature? So good. It's what you want for your kids. You want them to move from immaturity to maturity. And and, and he wants the same for us. So today I want to ask you this question that will have a profound effect on 2018. How do you... How do you place your life before God as an offering? What does it look like? How do you place it before him as an offering? How do you give yourself to him? How do you fix your attention on God as this verse has described? How do we readily recognize that he's working? How do we respond quickly? How do you allow God to develop maturity in your life? Because here's the struggle. If you, if you don't move forward, there's, there's stuff pushing back on you. I just wrote a few of them down. Number one, there is a competition for your time and attention. A competition for your time and attention. McDonald's wants your attention. That's why every single commercial of every sports program seems to include McDonald's in some way, shape, or form. I'm fasting, so I'm really attracted to every food commercial. And I just notice it. The, 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 the attention, Facebook wants your time and attention. They want to take your time and attention and direct it to where they want it to go. Thank you. Jesus kind of describes this. In Matthew 6, 24, he says, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. The UK, there, there has to be one master, but there are many other masters trying to push for your time and attention. Number two, we believe so often in our culture that more is better, so it keeps us pushing, pushing in the wrong directions. <laughs> we keep filling our lives with stuff instead of the provision that Jesus has for us. We, we've embraced this, this lie that more is always better. If you've got, you know, if you've got one car, you need more. If you've, if you've, got, if you've got one house, you need more. If you've got one job, you need... If you've got one kid, you need... Oh, see, he's like, hey, wait a minute, I'm not going for that. (laughs) There's something, here's what what Ecclesiastes 4, 6 says. It says, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. What that means is, we have to understand limits. One of the problems with humanity in general is we don't understand our limits. We don't live within our limits. But the truth is, number three, our time is limited. 
Our time is limited. You only have a certain amount of time. You only have a certain amount of time on this earth. You only have 24 hours in a day. You can only fit a cer certain amount of things in. And it's so easy to fit all kinds of other things in before Jesus himself. Here's what Psalm 39, 4 through 5 says. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. The psalmist is asking for God to remind him of that because it, it makes so much difference. The other reason that things press in on us and take our time and attention is because we don't know our purpose. We don't understand why we were made. We don't understand the greater purpose that God has given us. Ephesians 2.10 says, He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join Him. Everybody say, join Him. We're supposed to join Him. I should join Him. Did it get hot in here? It feels really hot in here. Can somebody take care of that? Do I have people here who can take care of that? Some people? No, not you, Kent. You don't know how to run that thing. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just stick to the board. Okay. Here's the thing. Jesus is asking us to join him in the work he does, the good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work we'd better be doing. Listen, you and I have a purpose and a destination that we have to be fixated on that should overshadow everything else in our lives. But because of the way culture moves at such a quick pace, because there are so many things we're involved with, because each of us only has a limited amount of time, we find ourselves often meandering through life, frustrated, overwhelmed, irritated, that we just can't seem to figure it out. And I was, as I was preparing for this series, I really, I mean, I, 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 this, this doesn't happen um, it happens more often than you think it does. <laughs> but I typically get up here and, oh, there it is. I typically get up here and I have some, I don't know, some level of expertise that I can share with you from my own experiences. But today is a day that I'm standing up before you and talking about something that I don't think I'm very good at. And that's challenging for a pastor. And it comes around more often than you think because the Bible's so thick. <laughs> There's so many things that he wants to show us and tell us in the design of our lives. You know, I, was, <laughs> I, went, I, went, to the, I went to the gym last night with my 12-year-old son. He was like, Dad, we got to go to the gym. We got to go to the gym. I'm like, what is up with the gym? Oh, he's got a physical education class at school he's super psyched about he's learning all the stuff in the in the weight room he's learning all the things about how to do the exercise he's like dad we got to go to the gym <laughs> it's like i don't want to go to the gym <laughs> but i'm like okay let's go to the gym and we go and i, I mean he, he he goes in the i mean the good news about going to the sun with going to the gym with your son who's 12 years old is his arms are like spaghetti and so every weight that he lifts, I can still lift. <laughs> it's like we don't have to switch out the two and a halfs on each side. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, like, 
Unless people come into the community center uh, weight room and then you're like, oh, yeah, so this is how you do it, son, right? And you're showing like, it's not like this isn't helping me, I'm helping him. But here's what's so bad is he whipped my butt. <laughs> and I, I mean, all the extras, I tried to do all the stuff he was doing and he was showing me how to do it. And I'm, I am so sore today. <laughs> it's terrible. And I don't like, I don't like to be on display I don't know how to do something. I especially don't like my skinny spaghetti arms on display in a weight room. But I think, I think what we have to acknowledge together is that in our culture, not too many of, under, not too many of us understand how to manage our time in a way that honors God consistently and that keeps him in the center. And the lie is, I just don't have enough time. The lie is, I'm just so busy. The lie is, I don't have enough time. You know what's so weird? Everyone has the same amount of time. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> right, in the day, a 20, you got 24 hours, I got 24 hours. I used to be like, wow, how do, you, how do people do this? And then I, I thought about the president, like that guy's busy, right? People, like, but, he has all these people. Like, I want, where are all my people <laughs> to do stuff? <laughs> Here's the thing I want us to start unpacking. Time is one of the most precious commodities in our culture. If people waste your time, you don't give it to them again. If you go to a store and they don't help you and they waste your time, it's over. It's up. You go to a restaurant, they don't deliver the food in a timely manner. You're, it's like, I ain't coming back here again. This is the mindset of our culture. Time is everything. It is one of the most precious things that we can give away. And it seems like so many of us struggle with time because our schedules are full. Our pace is frantic. We, we, there's an overwhelming nature to it. Like, like we're always trying to figure out how can we be more efficient with our time? And that's code for how can I do things so well that I have more time to do more things that I want to do? Life demands so much time, energy, and focus. Our jobs demand a, a, a full attention. Our career requires that we do it better than the next person who's gonna come up, coming up behind us and gonna take our job if we don't do it well. So many of us work in a sedentary environment, right? Like, you're, like you're, you're, your lifestyle is just, you're sitting, you're, you're looking at a computer screen, you're in a coffee shop, you're having meetings, there's all these things, and, we, and we have to, then we have to make time outside of work to make sure your body is healthy and that you're strong because you're not gonna get it naturally. If you have kids, you want them to be well-developed and have great experiences, so you sign them up for everything. Music, art, soccer, sports, of every kind, every season, because God forbid they skip one season. <laughs> right? It's like we fill this stuff up. In, 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 in Austin, we spend so much time in traffic. You spend time in traffic. If you want a hobby of some kind, you got to add that on. You got to find time for that. And you for, it takes energy and focus and time. You, you want to have a great marriage? You've got to invest in that marriage. It's going to take time. It's going to take date nights. It's going to take 
focus. You want to have a great family, healthy family. You spend time together. You share together. You play together. You work together. You, you take care of the house together. And then, and then you got your church telling you, you got to be in a group. And you got like this little tiny sliver of time that is discretionary you feel like in your life and what are you going to do with it? Look, I get it. I get it. Interestingly enough, we actually have the opportunity for more discretionary time than ever because of the way we work, because of the way our culture is. We have entertainment on demand. We can do, I mean, and, and, and that's part of what fills up our lives too. And suddenly, somewhere along the line in our, in our lives, we, we just feel like we can't do it all, and life gets so cranked up, then we can't figure out how to slow it down. You know, you know this thing, you know about FOMO, right? FOMO is a, it's an actual, it's an actual issue, it's a condition. Fear of missing out, that's what it stands for, F-O-M-O, fear of missing out. I, I just wanted to see if it was leg legit, and I looked it up. It's in the Oxford Dictionary now. If you make it to the Oxford Dictionary, it's a legitimate condition. Check out what Oxford says FOMO is. Anxiety that an exciting or interesting event may be happening elsewhere, often aroused by posts seen on social media. So... Today I want to ask you about a practice. I want, to, I want to challenge you with a practice that helps us see things from God's point of view. It's something called the Sabbath. Now I just lost a whole bunch of you right there. If you've heard a talk on Sabbath before, but Sabbath is something where you, I'm going to define it here as stopping work and enjoying rest and experiencing delight in God and con being contemplative and allowing him to speak to your life. I, I think this is such a challenge for us, but, and, and I don't know, I don't really know how to do it in the culture we live in. I don't know how to carve out a 24-hour period of time to yield to God as a practice. Some of you are thinking right now, it's like, well, you don't have to. Jesus didn't. Jesus violated the Sabbath all the time. Isn't Sabbath some kind of legalistic thing from way in the past? It's like old. No, I, I, I don't think it is. I, I think we have to discover something about it. So let's read some passages. All right, Genesis 2, verse 1 through 2. This goes all the way to the beginning, all the way to creation. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. And by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Do you think God was tired? Is that why he rested? He's got to, have, got to have another reason for resting. I think he was setting something in motion. He was creating a, a design. He was saying there's something really important here that we've got to do. When you've wor been working, there's something you've got to do to stop and, and, and look back and celebrate it 
Number one, the Sabbath is a way of understanding life. I think God wanted us to see life through the lens of the Sabbath, through the filter of the Sabbath. That he wants us to see that we are not simply what we can produce. That he, that he, that he is not just interested in what you can perform or what you can make or what you, you can get done. And so God set Sabbath up as a way of pro prioritizing or profiling love, communication, relationship. I want you to look in Exodus 20. This is God's people that, that are being spoken to through Moses on the mountain. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and all his descendants. God had designed a group of people and he'd, he designed the way that he wanted his group of people to live. He wanted them to be countercultural to all the surrounding nations. So I want you to look at what he said. He says in Exodus 20, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. Can you believe it? Even the animals that did a bunch of the work, you're supposed to rest the animals. God goes on to say in other passages, you're supposed to give the land a rest every seven years. Don't plant. He's creating a, a rhythm that is so important for us. He says for, in verse 11, for in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them, but on the seventh day he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. The Sabbath day was a way in which they could experience, sorry, they could, they could understand life and experience life together. They had, to, they had to understand that they were called to be God's people and therefore they were going to be, now check this out, different than all the other humans on the planet. Now, check this out. Isn't it interesting that in those days, centuries and centuries ago, that they didn't have any iPhones, no tablets, no little ringy things or vibrating things on their wrists. They didn't have screens staring them in the, in the face, you know, tw 20 hours a day. They, di they didn't have the busy schedules or the modes of tr transportation or communication that we have today. And yet, check this out, yet God felt it was important to distinguish his people from all the other people and the way they functioned. Because, because, evidently, everybody is susceptible to working all the time. Oh, it's not gonna get done, I gotta do it. Nobody else is gonna do it except me. I'm gonna have to do it, it's gonna have to happen. I gotta, I gotta work seven days a week, I gotta work ourselves into the ground, we just gotta go for it. There's no, what if something happens? We gotta make sure there's enough, we just gotta make, that the way of thinking has been around since the dawn of humanity. Je Jesus tells his own disciples that this is, this is really cool. Did I give you number two? Yes, Sabbath is a way of experiencing life. 
Yeah. So, so Jesus says in John 5, he says, so because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, in other words, he was, he was breaking the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to, to them, my father is always at work, at his work, to this very day, and I too am working. I love this idea. God, Jesus says, my dad's working hard, and you should trust in his work. But it's so hard for us to do. For this reason, they all tried to kill him. They kill him, kill him all the more. And not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Here's, the, here's what Jesus is trying to say. He's saying, working without Sabbath will yield what you can produce. Working without Sabbath will yield whatever you can produce. But working with Sabbath will yield what you and God can produce. Wouldn't you, don't you want God producing for you? But I think we struggle. We struggle with this. Number three, the Sabbath is a way of receiving life. See, we struggle because we're not sure. We don't trust God. We don't, it's, we don't, we don't, we don't know if we can trust him. And, and, and really, we don't really think about it being trust because we're fully, we're fully con consumed in the idea that we're in charge of our lives and we have to make it happen. Make it happen, man. That thought lives in us. It lives so freely in us that it's hard for us to get that Sabbath is a way of receiving life from God. Mark 2, 27 says, Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for men, not man for the Sabbath. So, so the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Here's what I love. Here's what I love, all right? You should write this down. It's not in your notes, but you should write it down. Here it is. It, it's this phrase. You don't have to keep Sabbath. You get to keep Sabbath. <laughs> you don't have to keep it. But if you'll see it as a way to receive, if you'll see it as a way to experience, if you'll see it as a way to deal with the crushing weight of your time, and, and the priorities in your life, if you'll see it as a blessing, something dramatic will happen to you. I think most people are afraid to spend a day without working on something because they're terrified of what they will find within themselves. We're a nation that is hooked on pills, the opioid crisis, we're trying to find a way to come down, to calm down, to stop the pace, and God designed a way to do this. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 11, 28 through 30 said, Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke. I love this. It's a, it's a symbol of work. Everybody who listened to him would have seen the yokes on the oxen. He said, my yoke is easy. It's not hard. My instrument of work is easy easier than what you're carrying. My yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Listen, for the Christian, every day is holy, but I'm talking about spiritual formation. 
I'm not talking about salvation. I'm not talking about Jesus coming into your heart, although I think it's related. Because we, if we go too fast, we begin to squeeze out the things of Jesus so easily. And we don't notice when he's there because we're moving at such a pace. So I want to suggest to you that Sabbath is the idea of a 24-hour block of time in which we stop work, enjoy rest, practice, practice delight. Some of you really need some work on practicing on delight. Way too grumpy. Because it's true. The older you get, the, the harder it is, I think, to practice delight and contemplate God. See, here's the secular rhythm, right? Here's the secular way that people do this thing, right? They work, 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 vacation. That's the way we do it. The secular society says work, 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 vacation. No, here's God's design. Sabbath and work, the sacred rhythm the sacred rhythm is Sabbath and work and Sabbath and work and Sabbath and work and Sabbath and work. I know. Your minds are going. You're like thinking to yourself, how could I ever do that? I don't think I could do that. I don't think I have too many things. It's just in the way. I started talking about this with my family uh, this last week, and we talked about it last night at dinner. And I said, what could we do? What do you guys think we should do? Which is a perfect way to do it if you're in charge, and you, see, and, you, and you say, what do you think we could do? And we started to have ideas and started thinking about it. Listen, I'm not saying next week, Friday night at 6.30, shut it down. Right? The, the traditional Sabbath is Friday night at sunset to Saturday night at sunset, although I think that is a great practice. I think you can choose any day that you want to. But you've, I, think, I think what I'm advocating and what I'm suggesting and what I'm wondering about and what I'm longing for in my own life is how can I keep the treadmill from taking over? How, how, can, I, how can I make sure that I make time for God and his direction in my life? How can I, how can I more readily see and be prepared for what he's doing? Because I think, people, people, I think we're missing it. I don't, think we're, I don't think we're as full of power from the Holy Spirit as we need to because we, we don't have enough practices that make room for him. 20 minutes in the morning is so good. Start. Start with five. Start with five, start with 10. Do something that makes a window of opportunity. But the truth is, we've got to get further down the road than that if we want to see God do something incredible in our lives. So Sabbath is a 24-hour weekly rest with no have-tos. 24-hour weekly, weekly uh, rest with no have-tos. So how do we practice it? Number one, we do Sabbath. Sabbath, or sorry, what am I saying? We stop. We stop. How do we practice it? We stop. We cease. We stop working and take a break, both paid and unpaid. Paid work and unpaid work. All the men in the room, I could just see you. 
When I took my sabbatical and I went away, I, this is what I did. I took, I, I got, I, I let go of my work at the church and I filled my life with work at home. Felt good. But it wasn't rest. There's a, there's a store in New York City called B&H. They sell technical uh, equipment, uh, video and equipment and stuff like that. And, um, and they're an incredible company, one of the top five on, on, on the planet where, and the amount of stuff that they sell and, and, and what they do. And they're owned by Jewish people who practice Sabbath. And so on Friday night, they shut down the store. For 24 hours, it is not open. And they not only do that, but they do massive online sales worldwide. They shut down the website. You cannot order from them online during Friday and, and or during Friday night and Saturday. And people are like, Americans are like, what? Businessmen and women, what? How could, how could you do that? Do you know what you're doing? Do you know what you're missing out on? Do you know what the, I mean, what? How do you do this? Why would you do that? You're missing out on probably millions of dollars over time in a year. And the owner of the company said this. Well, we submit to a higher authority. A higher authority than our current business climate. We submit to a higher authority than the rules by which the free market works. We submit to a higher authority and we've settled it. The second thing we do is we rest. We rest. We exhale and and allow restoration to happen. Restoration from all the busyness. Allow your body and your mind and your soul to slow down and get in touch with God. Sabbath is for engaging in activities that restore and replenish, like napping. <laughs> oh, napping. Do you like napping? You should try it. It's actually medically verifiable. Napping is good for you. You hate it when you're a kid, you love it when you're an adult. I don't know what that is. Biking, reading, eating a great book, hobbies, sports, the key is resting from both paid and unpaid work. You gotta stop and believe that you have value with God. That you're not producing something, and so that when that guilt comes in, if you have a day where you stop producing things, there's this feeling, this feeling of guilt, this feeling of, I, I, I got to do something, I'm, I, I, something's wrong, something's going to go wrong. See, that is not from the Lord. That is the enemy of your peace and tranquility. It is the enemy of your soul trying to get you to look ahead rather than to be satisfied with the Lord's provision for your life. Rest. Third one is delight. At the end of the first chapter of Genesis, God declares after creating it all, he's been saying, this is good. But he finishes the chapter by saying, this is very good. And then he spent the seventh day celebrating. Celebrating. Practicing delight. It wasn't an anemic afterthought. Oh, that's pretty good. That's not what God was saying. 
He was, he was entering into a joyful recognition of the goodness of creation, the celebration of accomplishment. And as part of the Sabbath, God's in, God invites us to join him in the celebration, to enjoy and delight in his creation, all that he's made, all that he's done. As I said, I think this gets harder for us as we get older. Jesus wasn't, when he healed on the Sabbath and when he violated the Sabbath, he wasn't saying it doesn't matter what he was trying to do. You can't take it as a license to just keep going. What you have to understand that Jesus was doing is to the, to the religious leaders, to the Pharisees, he was trying to get through to them and to the people at large who followed him around that the way they were obeying Sabbath was joyless. It was empty. It was legalism. He was trying to say, I want you to recapture what it is. It's delight with me. It's joy with me. It's celebration. It's, it's something that is filling you up instead of forcing you into legalism. E e Eugene Peterson says, when you celebrate Sabbath, you pray and play. You pray and play. God is not interested in you as an inanimate object. He's interested in you as a partner of, of wonder to discover, to see the invisible God in the visible world that we live in. Number four is contemplate. Ponder the love of God. It's not just a nice day at the beach or at the park. We're looking for this invisible God in this visible world. Why are we looking for him? Why do we want to see him in the world around us? Because we have to be reminded that he's running the show. I'm not. I'm not in charge. He is. Sabbath reminds you of who's really in charge. We look for the grandeur of everything as we contemplate people, food, art, babies, sports, hobbies, music. Not an entire day of Bible study and prayer. That's not what we're talking about. But an awareness that God is here and with you, for you, and his love is leading every interaction that you have with the world. There's a, there's a statue of Atlas from Greek mythology, holding up the world in the heart of New York City at Rockefeller Center. We've got a picture of it right here. And as you look at it, you see him and he's holding up the world and according to the Greek mythology there, he was punished to do this, to have the weight of the world on his shoulders. And that's how you and I feel sometimes. Sabbath is designed to lift that weight from you. It's so interesting, the juxtaposition of another statue that's right across the street, right across the way from the, Saint, uh, from the Rockefeller Center. It's in St. Patrick's Cathedral, and it is this little picture of Jesus as a boy. I want you to notice what he's holding in his left hand. He's holding the world. It's not an apple. It's not a ball. It's the world he's holding. These two statues, these figures are standing juxtaposed to each other right on one street in New York City and they represent the juxtaposition of your life. 
and how you see Jesus and how you see what God wants you to do and how he wants you to live. I want you to close your eyes and bow your head and I want to just come to the Lord's table here and I want you to I want you just to take a moment. And the reason this the reason this table is perfect for us to come to here right at the end of this service is because it is a place of provision. It is a place of healing. It is a place of forgiveness. It is a place of communion with God. Very quickly, I want us to pray over this because you feel it in your own heart. You feel it in your, in your soul. You're thinking about it. how do we do it? How does it work? How can I do this? I can tell you, you can't do it without the help of the Holy Spirit and the love of God in your life because it's so hard, so hard to stop producing if you believe your significance is attached to producing something. You have to settle that you're significant and valuable because God made you and he loves you. Come to the table that Jesus set for you and me. Ask him to forgive you of letting life run you instead of you receiving life from him. Father, we come to you now and we ask you to speak to us. We ask you to direct our hearts and direct our minds and show us where we are and what we need to do. Lord, lead us on this journey. We need you. We thank you, Jesus, for the sacrifice of your body, the bread representing the body that was broken so that we could be healed. We thank you for the cup that represents the spilled blood of Jesus that forgives us of every sin. And so we come to this table with expectation and anticipation to unload the weight of the world and to receive your goodness and provision. In Jesus' name, amen.